Good morning again. <laughs> so yeah, it's great to be on holidays. <laughs> Loving it. Need to be this back, don't we? Um, yeah, really nice to see everyone this morning. Um, it's, it's funny because obviously uh, God's asked me to be pastor here at the moment. Um, even when you're on holiday, there's so many things go through your head, stories and you know, you're always thinking about, you know, what could you preach next? Um, also, um, listening to what's being said at the front and just being able to soak it in on holidays has been awesome. Like, just to be able to hear that word of God as a normal person <laughs> at church, it's interesting though, because we, we sort of made the decision, uh, we'll come and we won't sit in our regular spot up the front, so we're moving around a bit and um, sat in the middle there. I haven't sat on that side yet. Last week. Oh, yeah, I did. That was really good. Must have been memorable, right? (laughs) Sat up the back corner, kids' corner, school holidays. I think I got one out of Matt's 10 points that that week. Um, But it was actually really nice. I've got to be honest with you. It was really nice. You just sit there, you relax, you you hear the word of God. Unless you've got kids, then you weren't relaxing. But... um, it's, it's so interesting how good that is for your soul to just sit and hear the word of God when you can. Um, thank you, kids, church workers. Like um, After sitting in Kids Corner, you realise just how important that is, right? It's a really excellent ministry um, that, they, that they're involved in. Uh, anyway, this morning, uh, I, I rang up Matt, because Matt, why Matt isn't here, I don't know if you know this. Did you mention it before? He was sick. <laughs> He's got COVID, guys. The dreaded coronavirus hit him and um, he rang up yesterday and said, can you preach tomorrow? Well, he didn't say, first of all, can you preach tomorrow? He said, oh, maybe I can put a video on. And I said, well, try other people first. If you can't get someone, I'll, I'll come and preach. Because otherwise you'd have to watch 10 videos to work out which one he, he wanted to show this morning. Um, anyway, I thought I'd start with a really, really sad story. A sob story for me. For many, many years, I've been wanting to grow flowers at my house, at uh, where I live right now. And, you know, me and Michaela, when she was up, it was always like, yeah, let's do a veggie patch, let's plant some flowers, never happened. She was up on holidays and I was like, that's it. Went up and got some marigold seeds um, and we planted them out in the back garden. So does anyone realise when you're planting things this far apart, how long it takes <laughs> in three rows of you know 12 meters or something it takes forever because they're only that far apart so we planted all these seeds Michaela goes back to Victoria where she is at the moment and uh, three four days later marigold seeds started coming up how exciting so I'm watching them grow two weeks later they're up to about this high and uh, the next morning I came out and they're all dead. I was like, what? I actually looked and there was no flowers. That's devastating, right? I know it's obviously devastated everyone here. <laughs> but what had happened was my neighbour had decided he's spraying the weeds along the fence line. Yes, now you get it, heartbroken. The flowers died and, and so I had to replant and regrow them. And Matt talked to me about what he was going to be talking about this morning, and, um, which is in Judges 6 and, and 7, because he wanted to be doing a series on faith, right? How we grow in faith or something, and I don't know. 
something powerful about faith. Anyway, I said, no worries. What were you going to preach on? Because he said, preach on anything you want. I said, well, let's keep it on your series. And so I'm going to just look through Judges 6 today. Um, And the story is about the start of the story of a man called Gideon who became a judge in Israel. And a judge was like a a ruler that God appointed that um, was able to uh, judge situations, to bring the word of God to Israel uh, and those sorts of things. And the story begins, and, and why I told my sob story about my flowers is that this is very much what had happened to Israel at the time. They'd been disobedient to God. You're not going to get PowerPoints today, not that organised um, with the time that I had. But th- they were, they'd been under attack. What had happened, of course, is as usual, they decided they were going to disobey God. So in Judges 6 verse 1, it starts out like this. The Israelites did evil in the Lord's sight. So the Lord handed them over to the Midianites for seven years. Now when they were handed over, that meant that all of a sudden terrible things were happening in Israel. They, they would always go and plant their crops and then the Midianites would come in, they'd camp and then they'd come and plunder what the crop was. They weren't even there all the time. They, they'd just come, they, they knew that as soon as the Israelites planted seeds and they started to uh, bear fruit, that's when they'd come. They'd come and they'd take away what had happened. And, it, and the Bible here talks about them as being as thick as locusts. They, in, they arrived in droves on camels, um, too numerous to count, and they stripped the land bare of everything. And what happened is Israel was reduced to starvation, of course, because of this, and they began to cry out to the Lord for help. <laughs> is that a common story in our life? Um, we'll get to some of the reasons why we need to prepare our hearts if we want to have great faith today. I'm not going to move into chapter 7 because that's sort of like the story of the deliverance once that faith had been established. But for us as Christians, I want us to ask this question, am I preparing myself to actually live a life of faith? Because we can want faith, but are we prepared to actually make the sacrifice in our own lives of what it takes to live a life of great faith? So that's what we're going to be looking at today. How God came in and started to speak to Gideon and the things that he had to do in order for God to begin to move. Because, you know, we know that God can move anyway. We know that God is gracious. We know that his love and compassion has forgiven us of every sin and it's by grace that we receive everything. We receive everything through the grace of God. It's a gift from him. It's not of ourselves. So, we can sometimes get to this point, well, that's it, I don't have to do anything with my life. I can just be who I want to be. I can almost remain the same as a Christian. Or we come to another place, which is where, where we'll find Gideon being in a minute, where you're just in this prison, prison of Christianity. I don't know if any of you have ever been there, you ever thought of, you know, we know that Christ has set us free, but somehow there's this prison that you're in. And this is how the walls are formed, or the bars are formed in your life. You become a Christian, and you begin to start to think that Christianity is all about me doing the right thing, okay? So I become a Christian, and that's by God's grace that he saved me, but you know what? What I understand of Christianity is this. Yes, it's by grace he saved me, but I have to do everything right, 
that's the call of my life, to just be good, to follow his rules, do everything right. So we've got, I'm not allowed to do this. I'm not allowed to do that. I'm not allowed to do that. And, and what's happening is that we're putting up walls in our life saying, everything about God's love depends on my behaviour, right? What I do or what I don't do. Do you know that someone who breaks into houses can live for years without ever doing it, even when their heart's desiring to do it? How's that? They're in prison. Someone who steals cars can live for years and years and years without stealing a car. Why? Because they're in prison. And this is what can happen with us as Christians sometimes. It's like our actions have changed, but our heart has actually remained the same. And so we live a Christian life that's absolutely restrained, not through love of God, but through these rules of do or don't. And what really that is, is a fear. If I don't do the right thing, God won't love me. And even worse than that, if I don't do the right thing, if I don't do everything exactly right, I'm not going to heaven. That's a prison. That's not where we're meant to be living. And, and what God wants to do is to transform our lives. So his actual call is not to change our behaviour, but to change our character the actual inward person who we are through knowing him, through the love of Christ in us, through the work of the Holy Spirit living in us. Because you see, as soon as my character is changed, I might have broken into houses, but I don't want to do it anymore. I'm not being restrained by the walls of a prison. As a Christian, it would work out like this. I don't want to sin anymore. All these things that, that I used to do actually are not appealing to me anymore. I don't even want to do them. It's not like I'm living in this prison with these bars around me saying, I can do this, I can't do that, and I'm trying to obey rules. What happens is my character begins to be formed in the image of Christ. And Christianity is not a struggle. It's not a prison. It's a freedom because my heart does not want to do those things. And my heart is alive to Jesus Christ. And so this is where I'm, I'm coming from this morning with our faith. Our faith in God is totally dependent on us saying no to the gods of the world that we're in. To start to strip back the things that are in our life and say, God, I do not want them anymore, not because they're wrong, but because our affection has changed from the things of this world to the things of God. So what happened? They're, they're starving the Israelites. They're, you know, the enemies are in the land. And of course, what happens? They call out to God, right? God sends a prophet. And this is what the prophet said. This is what the Lord God of Israel says. I brought you up out of slavery in Egypt. I rescued you from the Egyptians and from all who oppressed you. I drove out your enemies and gave you their land. I told you, I am the Lord, your God. You must not worship the gods of the Amorites in whose land you now live, but you have not listened to me. It's very interesting there that, that when God answered, he said, can you remember what I'm like? Part of our growth in faith is this, that we remember what God has done in the past. And God wasn't just pointing out the, the deeds that he's done, but he points out this, that he had a relationship with them. I told you I am the Lord your God. 
What he was saying in there is you must remember that I love you. Faith works through love. How does that work? If I understand God loves me, I know that he's for me, right? If I don't believe God loves me, I don't really believe he's for me. And so when the Bible talks about faith, hope and love, it says these three things remain, faith, hope and love, but the greatest of these is love. Why? Because faith by itself is not what God wants. Hope by itself is not what God wants only, but it is all anchored in love. In other words, my hope, if, if I know that someone loves me, I can put my hope in them. Why? Because I trust them. I actually really believe that person wants the best for me. And so when they correct me, what do I do? I listen because I'm like, wow, you actually want the best for me. You want me to change. When they say, I'm going to give you something, we trust them because our hope is, is, is grounded in that love. And the same with faith. How can I believe for anything if I do not firstly believe that God loves me? I think Jesus said it pretty well. He talked about how us as earthly parents... We, we, are, we love our children and we're not going to give them bad things when they ask for good things. And then he says, how much more will your heavenly Father give to you his children? You see, his love is far greater than the love that we have for our children. And yet so often we think we want faith for things to happen, but we haven't grounded ourselves firstly in this calling. And, and Rick Warren actually does it in his... Um, in his book about purpose-driven life, he says, our first purpose on this earth is to be loved by God. To be loved by God. And yet so often we're looking to live a life of faith, but we don't actually draw into the love of God. And so how can our faith grow? How can it grow if we don't believe that God really loves us? Why would he even give me anything? I know people who would say that. Why, why would he give me that? Or they'll say... Why will he do that for me? There's so many bigger things for him to worry about as if God's got this limit of his power. And I think that's what God was trying to firstly say to Israel. He says, guys, you're obviously being disobedient to me and you're worshipping other gods, but remember what I'm actually really like? The result of what's happening in your life right now is because you have walked away from me and even worse than that, you haven't just walked away from me, but you have now turned to other gods the gods that are in the land that you're in, the, the Canaanite gods. And as you read on in, in that passage there, it talks about the, I don't really know if my pronunciation's right, but the Asherah poles. Maybe it's different. There's someone who knows Hebrew out there somewhere. <laughs> they could say it better. But these poles were like roughly formed idols, basically, of wood that, that were that were for a, a Canaanite god who was the goddess of... It was a central god, married to the god of war. And what they did was they'd get these big full timbers and they'd make groves, basically, of idols to this god. And these were set up all over Israel. They were, they were on high places. So in other words, so that, we, that they could be seen. And, and Israel had turned away so far from God that they began to worship these other gods. And we look and we go, wow, those crazy guys, they're worshipping bits of wood. But really, what about us? Uh, I know there's idols in our life, isn't there? What 
are we taking on as Christians? Man, I just want to be rich. Man, I just want to be famous. Man, I just want my kids to be happy and I want to give them everything. What's in your life that's an idol? Oh yeah, I can't give up my leisure time for Jesus. The idol of the world. What's the world's message? That's what it's really saying. So in that land around them, the message was, if you pray to these gods, and, and let's face it, like, what, were the, what was the, the pole representing? A sensual goddess? And what is it that draws us away from Jesus today? What's appealing to me? What makes me feel good? What satisfies my desires and cravings? That, that I can actually worship instead of God. What is it that I, I can do instead of what I should do for God? Have you ever been that person? Sometimes it's not so obvious because we, we don't make this big deal about it. We don't actually think deeply about it, but we're making choices whether we follow God or not every single day, aren't we? This morning when you woke up, maybe you're the sort of person that loves ripping people off and getting a good deal. Like, you know, that's, that's the way of the world. Let me do that. Maybe you're the person that, that likes to manipulate people to get your own way. That's... That's called a God of this world. None of that stuff comes from the Heavenly Father. That's things that have been embedded in our life as we watch shows and everything like that. And, and it's funny, like, when, when I look at what's on TV now, even, even though, all right, people in some of these old shows didn't live out what was in it. But what did you see? You saw families together. You saw families growing together. Nowadays, what do you see? You see strangers or friends thrown into places where their sole aim is to cause conflict and drama. And so that becomes something that we think is amazing. Oh, the conflict and drama, and we're buying into it, yet God wants us to have peace in our life and to get on with our brothers and sisters. But, but it's designed that I promote self over others. So God came to Gideon. In fact, it says the angel of the Lord, and um, this is what we call a theophany. Maybe I'm spitting too much. (laughs) A theophany where it's like a bodily form of God before Jesus came as a man. And he spoke to Gideon. Gideon must have been a good guy for God to come and see him. He was hiding in a wine press because, as I've just talked about before, the, as soon as the grain was there, what happened? The Midianites, the other armies came in and, and they took everything. He needed to hide. The angel of the Lord came to him. And this is what he said, Mighty hero, the Lord is with you. And, of course, the question came straight away from Gideon. If the Lord's with us, why has all this happened to us? Where are all the miracles of our ancestors told us about? Didn't they say the Lord God brought us out of Egypt, but now the Lord has abandoned us and handed us over to the Midianites? Interesting, right? It's almost exactly what God said he did do. But Gideon didn't hear the whole message, I don't think, firstly. 
Do you remember the first verse I read out and then in the prophet's words when he came, what, what he said? You've abandoned me. God told them what had happened. He said, this is happening because you've abandoned me. Not because my hand is short, not because I'm weak, not because I can't do it, but you've moved away from me and you're expecting me to work on your behalf. He will. He will still. And he does still in this story. And even more so, I believe, in this, in this beautiful period of grace that we are in. But God didn't even answer that question, actually. He just said to him, listen to me, Gideon. Go with the strength you have and rescue Israel from the Midianites. I'm sending you. But Lord Gideon replied, how can I rescue Israel? My clan is the weakest in the whole tribe of Manasseh and I am the least in my entire family. Is this a question that you've asked sometimes? You feel that things are against you, that, that, that maybe you've even abandoned the Lord. And you're like, but God, I don't deserve it. God, I'm weak. God, I'm full of doubt. God, I'm an empty vessel. I reckon most of us say that sometimes. Very few people are filled with confidence and boldness <laughs> like David when he faced Goliath. Very few of us, but many of us are like that. We're almost weak in fear and trembling and we're like, God, help me. And we're saying, I can't do this. I can't step out in faith. But, but the beauty here is that the angel of the Lord says, go in the strength that you do have. Go in what you do have. In other words, he's saying, in the weakness of your faith right now, you step out. But I don't think I can do it. You probably can't. What's he saying? Gideon, I'm, I'm the least. My tribe's the least. I'm absolutely nothing. And no doubt Satan has gotten to your head sometimes and told you that. You're nothing. You're absolutely nothing. You can't do it. You're hopeless. You're useless. God wants nothing to do with you. But God is telling you this morning, whatever you have right now, go in that strength. Don't wait. Ecclesiastes says that um, if you wait for the right conditions to sow your, your seeds, it's never going to happen. And sometimes we hold back from stepping out for what God wants us to do, and in fact that is called drawing back and not acting in faith. We know God's got something for us. We don't step out. Why is that? Because we don't think we can do it. But God says, wait a minute. I want you to remember something. What did you just say to me? Where are you, God, who, who rescued us from the, the Egyptians, who parted the Red Sea, did all these amazing miracles? He knew what God was like, but he didn't have the confidence of this. God loved him. God wanted him to step out. God wanted him to move in whatever strength that he had. And then he said this amazing, comforting little verse here. I will be with you. <laughs> That's pretty awesome, right? I'll be with you. Listen, guys, for us to start to begin to walk in faith, we have to realize this. You can go in what you have and the Lord will be with you. Keith Green used to sing a song. 
that says, just do my best, pray that it's blessed, <laughs> and he'll take care of the rest. And that's how it works with everything in our life. It's like God increase, multiply, whatever it is. Whatever I give over to you, God, move it forward. The Lord said to him, I will be with you and you will destroy the Midianites as if you were fighting against one man. In other words, he was saying, do you remember how many Midianites there were? It was as locusts. They covered the whole land uncountable and God said you got to understand who I am you see that big vast army before you they're going to be compressed by my holy hands into one man that you're able to defeat and that is one of the pictures that we need to have in our head as we begin to work out how do I step out in faith I don't believe that David saw a giant really when he fought Goliath I don't think he saw that he just saw someone who was against God, who was less than God. And if you really think about it, if the heavens can't contain God, he's so much bigger than anything else in your life. He's so much bigger. And this morning, all I'm wanting to do is start to plant that seed inside of you to say, well, wait a minute, change is possible. Wait a minute, God is with me. Wait a minute, God loves me. And if God loves me, won't he be on my side? As the Bible says, if God's for us, who can be against us? <laughs> the one who spared not his own son, surely, surely won't give us everything that we need you see, your salvation was brought because Jesus saw a giant in our life, sin. But God's bigger than sin. Which is why we've been cleansed and washed by the blood of Jesus Christ and given this opportunity, as Vanessa was talking about this morning, to enter into a relationship with him, with communication, communing with God, an open door where we are no longer foreigners, we're no longer enemies, we are now friends and sons and daughters of the God Most High. And remember this, whatever God has done in the past for you, he can do it again. But it may be, it just may be, that you can get a breakthrough, but it's not sustained because something inside of you has trapped you in a prison where you are all about right and wrong, not about knowing him. Pharisees were right and wrong and they did it really well they, they were and, and when Jesus talked about them and he talked about our salvation he says unless your righteousness exceeds that of the Pharisees you're not going to enter the kingdom of God well the Pharisees believed that if you lived a perfect life then the Messiah could come So they were calling Israel to this perfect life, but they couldn't even do it and, and so when Jesus is saying this people are hearing it and going we're doomed. <laughs> the Pharisees are awesome. They obey God's law to the letter. In fact, they make up extra laws to make it even harder. <laughs> and Jesus said, unless your righteousness exceeds that, you'll never see the kingdom. Well, then all of us are fail, fail, failed, right? 
out there, which one of you hasn't sinned? Out there, which one of you hasn't gone against what God wants? Out there, which one of you is perfect? Uh, I see that hand, no. (laughs) None of us. But this is the gift of God. The righteousness that we have comes in who? Christ Jesus. Hallelujah. It's not about me. It's about Jesus, what is one for me. He's the one who sits at the right hand of God and intercedes for me. He's the one who forgave me of all my sin and washed me whiter than snow. He's the one who gave me the righteousness that exceeds the Pharisees because it's the righteousness of Christ Jesus, the representative of God, the representative of man who walked this earth, who lived a sinless life, who was examined and shown to be faultless and yet killed. And he was the sacrifice for our sin, the perfect sacrifice. And it says the blood of Jesus Christ doesn't just cover our sin, but what does it do? Cleanse us from all sin. This is a washing. <laughs> this is not a dribble of blood that covers something, but it's actually washing away our sin. That's him working in us. Why did he do it? He needed more minions. No, <laughs> he loved us. No other reason. And for us to begin to walk in faith, courageous faith, strong faith, let's start there. God loves you. Father, I just want to thank you so much for your goodness. Lord, this morning as we walk out into this world, I just pray that our hearts will be fixed on you and we would love you and we would know we're loved. Lord, we don't want to just change our behaviour. We want to change our character. We want to become more like you. So, Father, this morning I'm just praying that you fill our lives with your love Amen. Now, it may be that you have never, ever known the forgiveness of Jesus Christ. You might have even been at church for 50 years and you've never thought, wow, God washed me clean from sin. This might be your first time at church. And you know the weight that's on your life. You're just like, I'm broken, I need help. How does that start? It starts with this, a prayer to invite Jesus into your life. So this morning, I'm going to give you the opportunity. I'm just going to pray. And what I'd love you to do is at the end, ask the person you came with, ask your friend, ask your family who you're with, what's your next step? We're going to pray and ask Jesus into your life. But after that, you need to grow. Why? Because you need to learn about God's love. You need to know it and your heart needs to be transformed daily. So this morning, if that's you, I'm just going to pray. You pray with me and ask him into your life. And that's the start of your Christian walk. Father God, I just thank you that you sent your son Jesus to die for me this morning. I just want that release from sin. I'm so sick of being trapped and doing the same thing time and time again. Set me free today, Lord. Cleanse me of this sin. Give me the righteousness that I need so that I can have a relationship with your Father who will become my Father today. Forgive me. I believe Jesus died on that cross for me. Welcome me into your family today, I pray. 
forgive me of my sin. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks, guys. Um, if you want prayer for anything, please feel free to come to the front. Maybe you prayed the prayer and you're not with a, a friend or family today, but you just want someone to pray with you. Uh, come up the front and I'll pray. We do that here. It's not embarrassing. No one even knows why you come up anyway. But we'll pray and, and we'll see God do something in your life. So maybe you're sick. You want prayer for healing. Maybe you're just depressed. You want God to take that away. God is amazing. And as I said before, you can have faith in him. Why? Because he loves you. Of course he wants to set you free. Whatever you need this morning, in Jesus' name.